back. Hello. Good evening. Good morning. Not tonight. Alright. Let's begin tonight. Tonight is our focus, um, as our focus. Yeah, we have communion. And uh, I sound really loud right now. I feel loud. Anyways, uh, a long time ago, actually not that long ago, last year, when we decided uh, we were going to do communion and steadfast, we decided we weren't going to do it like everyone else does it. Uh, we decided that instead we were going to really focus on communion. When we do it, we're going to do it well. We're only going to do it four times a year, but when we do it, we're going to actually focus on it, and we're going to give it the honor it deserves. Um, what this really came from is that a lot of times I really don't like the way that church does communion nowadays. Um, this is me personally, but I think other people who share the same sentiment um, in Steadfast at the time and even now, um, a lot of times I feel disappointed in communion. I feel like it starts and then it's over before I'm even like thinking about it. Uh, a lot of times I feel like it's not given much attention. It's just another part of our service, and I don't think that that's right. I think instead communion should be something that we actually focus on when we do um, when we do communion, make it something special, and actually focus on it for the time being. So tonight, that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on communion and uh, talk about really nothing else. So if you guys want, go ahead and grab your Bibles, and you can turn to Matthew 12. So we're going to start with tonight. We're going to take a look at Jesus Christ. I know most communion services start with reading about how Jesus is sitting around with his apostles talking about communion, but that's not where we're going to start tonight. We're going to give a little, a little background, and we're going to take a look at what communion means. So, starting in 12.1, I want to read this for you. At that time, Jesus went to the grain fields on the Sabbath. His, his disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And he answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the, ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or have you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day, and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, If any one of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So, a really cool chapter. Man, really cool chapter. Um, and it starts out with Jesus Christ getting into this tiff with, with the Pharisees. This is a really common situation with Jesus Christ where he gets into these fights with the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees knew God's word. They knew it really well. These were like the theologians, if you will. These guys understood. They had read it time and time again. They understood it 
And that's why they called Jesus on this, because they had read these, these words over and over and over again. But what we see is, is Jesus comes back at him, and he tells him that what you're saying doesn't make any sense, because I'm talking about something more important. This is kind of interesting. When you read this the first time, you think, this is kind of crazy. He's breaking the law on the Sabbath. And he mentions David, which the first time I read that, that story of David, I thought that David was doing something wrong as well. He goes in and he says that I need, I need bread because my men are hungry. And he says, you know, all we have is the consecrated bread. And he says, then bring it out. We're going to eat it. But Jesus is mentioning this as, as something that's more important. The reason why he's saying this is because he's talking about the heart. He's talking about the matter behind the law. The Pharisees, like I said, knew the law, and that's it. They knew God's word, but they were caught up in the rules of it. They were caught up in the letter of the law and not in what the meaning of that law really stood for. We see that Jesus wasn't into this, um, and we can apply the same kind of principle to communion, too. This is why it caught my attention when I was thinking about it. You see, people follow the actions, and people follow the outside of what communion means. They follow the law of how it should look. But really, they never get to the heart of the matter. They never get deep down inside of it. See, because Jesus, what he's talking about in this, is he's talking about the heart. We see this time and time again uh, from Jesus Christ. In the New Testament and in Jesus' words, if you look at the difference between how many times he mentions the heart and how many times he mentions the mind, it's like catastrophically favored towards the heart. He always is talking about your heart. What is, what's the heart of the matter? What's inside of you? What does, it really, what does it really matter deep down inside? I like the way that the message puts this. Um, this whole section is good. But the part where it says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, it says this in the message. I prefer a flexible heart to an inflexible ritual. I really like that. It stands out to me. Because obviously what we're talking about is the heart. And we're talking about communion as well. This ritual that it becomes. I think very, very often, very often, communion is done as a ritual. It's something that's been done before. It was passed down to us by our forefathers or maybe some sort of, 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 chor- of church that, that passed it down to another. And it's been done for so long that I think a lot of times it's looked as this inflexible ritual. But that's not what God's after. He's after our hearts after our, our, our flexible and open hearts. That's what his focus is. A lot of times when I look at it, I feel like, are we even dealing with the heart of this matter? Or are we just like the Pharisees who are saying, this is how it needs to be done. This is how it's always been done. This is what the letter of the law looks like. Jesus looks at the heart. We should not do this ritual of communion just because Christians do it. And we call ourselves Christians. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's just doing it because, because of the ritual of it. We see another run-in just a little bit later in Matt. And if you guys want to turn there as well, you can too. That's actually in Matt 23. And what we see here is, is as he's talking to these, to these Pharisees, in 25, he says this to him, and this, this catches my attention so much. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! 
You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. I like the fact in the message it says this, You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You burnish the surface of the cups and bowls so they sparkle in the sun, while the insides are maggoty and your greed and gluttony. Stupid Pharisee, scour the inside and then the gleaming surface will mean something. You're hopeless, you religion scholars, you Pharisees, frauds. You're like manicured grave plots, grass clipped and the flowers bright, but six feet down it's nothing but rotten bones and worm-eaten flesh. People look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. So that's an awesome interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees. Like just that on its own when I read it, I'm like, man, Jesus was so darn cool. And he just like smacked these Pharisees in the face. He's like, let's actually deal with the real matter. What's on the inside? Because that's what God is all about. That's what Jesus is all about. When he comes back, I was talking about this heart. You guys look through. Before Jesus came, they talk about adultery. But in Matthew 5.28, when he comes back, he says that if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. They talk about murder, but he says, if you hate a brother deep down inside yourself, you're a murderer. So he comes back and he puts this whole idea of it's, it's not about just the outward, but I'm about what's inside of you. What really matters deep down in here? See, what he's talking about is how the outside isn't the most important, but the inside is. I like when he, he's talking about these cups that have been so shined up. And when I read this, it like perfectly paralleled my idea of what communion often is. Is we take out these pretty bowls and we take out this, this gold or silver, silver containers and we're going to shine them up take and give it the old spit shine and rub it and make it look real pretty. And we're going to take and we're going to use these very pretty silverware. And when I speak, I'm going to speak with very pretty words. And I'm going to read the King James on how Jesus Christ said it. And I'm going to take and read part of it. And I'm going to lead you in this beautiful ceremony. In this beautiful ceremony that's just so perfect. I think a lot of times, pastors, priests, whatever you want to call them, they try to wield emotion and they try to make communion into a ceremony and that's how they try to make it special. They try to make it special because they're saying that this is something important. This is, look at how everything shines and it's, it's, it's special. They try to make something into a ceremony to make it special. But the reality is, is a lot of times underneath that polished exterior, underneath the polished words, and the polished containers are hearts that really don't care. Our hearts are even going past just another ritual. How many times do you think in a church, a pastor leads communion, not really even thinking about communion. People take communion, not really even thinking about communion. And people's lives certainly don't match up with those who are supposed to be taking communion. It happens on a, on a weekly basis. It happens on monthly basis, however churches do it. But I mean, all around the world, people are taking communion without even giving it a thought, without looking at the inside, but they're doing this ceremony that looks pretty on the outside. Let's just polish that silver a little harder, 
maybe it'll make it more special to people. It doesn't make it special. Because in fact, we're missing the heart. And we are just like these, these hypocrites that clean the outside of the bulls, but inside, inside, they're just rotten and maggoty. I look at this too, and of course what this brings to my mind, in the Bible it talks about communion. It talks about how it's a special time. And if you guys know anything about communion, it's, this is the symbol of Jesus Christ and his relationship with us. Later on, as we see, when he sits down with his, with his disciples and he goes through and he says, you know, this is my blood, this cup, and this is my body, this bread. What he's giving the picture of is the fact is that when he dies, that blood is going to cover our sins and that body is going to take up all the punishment that we're supposed to take. Communion is this beautiful representation of what Jesus Christ did for us. Dying on the cross to cover my sins, to cover your guys' sins. It doesn't need to have ceremony put to it. It's amazing as it stands. How many times, though, are we like these, these whitewashed tombs? How many of us, if we could actually look deep down inside, would we see rottening flesh and dirty bones? Because in reality, we might look like Christians and we might walk in. A lot of times in these services, you know, um, it doesn't matter where you're at, there's always tradition with it, but we take and we smile, right? Um, it's sure, if you're, in the, if you're in the Catholic Church, you can walk up and you can hold your hands and you can stick out your tongue or you can cross your arms if you just want a blessing. And there's all this, this beautiful ceremony to it and you're going to take part in it like we're really good Christians and we, we really um, deserve this. But how many of us, if we actually stop and we open our own, our own bodies up and look inside, we see these rottening bones, this nasty, stinking heap of sin and unrepentance and not actually even caring. Before we take communion, you always have to look at yourself. And even before we do tonight, we have to look inward. It doesn't matter what we look like on the outside. You see everything that we're talking about here, everything that Jesus Christ did, the Pharisees looked on the outside. Jesus Christ was looking on the inside of the matter. What did this actually mean? What did it actually stand for? That whole entire picture of, of, of the Sabbath with that man is just like, it, it's, so, it's so perfect what we're talking about. People get so caught up in the letter of the law that they don't do God's work because they're caught up in some sort of law that, that would bind them. Is it legal to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus is like, you have to see him just like holding his head. Is it legal to heal on the Sabbath? Are you kidding me? This is God's day. Of course it's legal to heal on the Sabbath. God's getting glory in this. It's all about our insides, about our hearts. So here's what I wanted to do. I was thinking about this, and I realized, how many times have we made it about the exterior? How many times have we made communion about what it looks like, about some sort of ceremony, about doing some sort of special action. Tonight I wanted to bring you a communion that is more about your heart than it is about a ceremony. I wanted to bring you a communion that's more about where are you actually at than what are you going to do in the next few minutes. So, because I want to destroy as much ceremony as possible, I have for us tonight... Ugly Dixie cups that are filled to the top 
with cola. And our beautiful sacramental bread is cheesy crackers. And just like David, I can eat them. There's nothing special about them. Just like David, I can take what's supposed to be our wine and I can slosh it down. There's nothing special about what's sitting before you. I laid it out and I covered it with pretty little white cloth. Does that make it anything? No. I was trying to keep it clean. Indeed. There's nothing special about what's sitting before you. Not at all. It's, another, it's a cracker you can find in aisle 12 of Walmart. And that come out of our, uh, come out of our fridge right in there. And I poured it in these cups for you guys. There is no ceremony about this. So now the only thing that can remain in our communion service tonight is your heart. There's nothing special about what you're going to drink and eat. There's nothing special like I'm putting some sort of blessing on top of it. It's going to cure all that ails you. The only thing that remains right now, the only thing that remains in our communion service is what's your heart going to be about it? Because this isn't special. What's your heart going to be? Because if your heart's in the right place, then this communion service is going to be in the right place. If your heart's not, then it's not. But I'm going to take away all that ceremony to make you think that something can be that isn't. So here's what we have to do tonight. I want uh, Cassie, if you guys, if you can come up here. What we have to do tonight is we have to look at ourselves. Are we whitewashed tombs? Are we going to come and take part in taking communion just because I said so? Just because it sounds good? Or are we going to do it because we really love Jesus Christ and because we have a relationship with him? How many of us, even on top of that, who say we do have a relationship with him, before we, we eat and drink something that symbolizes what Jesus Christ did for us, we need to come to like a serious reality, okay? A serious reality tonight of what my life is. We need to stop and actually think about what is Jesus Christ, what does this represent? What did he pay for? We need to actually make it something. Like I said, it's going to be all about your heart tonight. It's not about ceremony. What value are you going to place on this? When you finally eat this, this dumb cheesy cracker, and when you finally drink this, this half cup of Pepsi, what is it going to mean in your heart? What is it going to mean to you? And it's all, it's all about us individually. Not, like I said, it's not about the service. What is it going to mean to you? So what we're going to do is, is Cassie's going to play for just a few minutes. Just her playing on the guitar. What I want you guys to do, if you guys need to get up wherever you need to go, I, just for five minutes, I just want you to sit down and I want you to think about what is it going to mean when you do this. Because like I said, the ceremony isn't here. The ceremony isn't here. What is this going to symbolize when you eat this and when you drink this? What has God paid and bought for you? What has God done for your life? What is this going to symbolize when you drink this? Other people, there might be people here tonight who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It says in the Bible that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you don't intend on it, like at this point, you're saying, you know, 
That's not me. He says, you know what, don't take communion yet. Because this is a, this is a, a symbolism of what Jesus has done for you. If you guys don't know who Jesus Christ is tonight and you want to, come up here and talk to me. Because you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior tonight and you can take communion. The last time we did communion, two people gave their life to Christ. All of us have sinned, okay? God has this perfect rule, this perfect rule. He doesn't accept anything less than perfection. And all of us have sinned, but Jesus Christ came to this earth and paid for all of it. He found this loophole. It says the wages of sin are death. All the sin that we work at in our lives, our pay when we die is a separation from God, eternal death. But God found a loophole, and he sent a man who never sinned, his own son, to die and to take back the keys of death. And he said, then if you believe in me, and you make me your Lord, then I paid that debt for you. I paid the debt for you, and you're covered, so when you die, you don't die. This life ends, and you move on to the next life. So let's take five minutes. Let's actually think about it, and, and let's get our heart in the right place. Some of you guys might have to ask for forgiveness and say, man, I'm rotten bones. God, forgive me. And then we're going to take part of this together, and we're just going to do it all as one family.
So on Jesus' last night, last night on earth, of all the different things he could do, he sits down with 12 of his friends, 12 of the men who are closest to him. And in Passover, when they get towards the end, he does, he does this amazing thing where he takes an knee. He passes the bread and he passes the wine. And I don't think at the time these men maybe even realized all of the weight that was in it. Maybe not even at the time they really realized how much more was inside of this than just something to finish the evening. Because at the end of each meal, they would hold up and they would give their last, their, their last and final, their last and final toast. But see, Jesus was different. When he, when he offered up this, this, this bread, he told about how this was his body. And when he offered up this cup, he told about how this was his blood and how this was a covenant. How that was going to cover us and take care of all that sin and all the things that destroy our lives. And he talked about the fact that when we take communion, we do it to remember that relationship. And you know what we do it as to? Is we do it as just a looking forward. Because it says that Jesus Christ is sitting up in heaven and that tonight as we do this, he doesn't get to eat any crackers and doesn't get to drink any Coke. He doesn't get to eat any bread or drink any wine because he says he's waiting. He's waiting for us. He's not going to take, he says, I won't, I won't eat and drink. He says, I'm just going to stay. He says, and I wait. He says, because someday when you guys get up there, he says, then, then we'll sit down and we'll eat and drink together. That's part of what it is too. As much as it's about that, that communion of Christ, it's also a looking forward and saying, God, I can't wait till I get to sit down with you and have communion with you. So I want you guys, just come on up here. If you guys have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to take communion tonight. Come on up here and go ahead and grab, grab the bread, grab the, grab the cup, and just stay up here, okay? Just stay up here. Come on up right now. Come on up right now. Grab it and just kind of stay up here. Don't go all the way back to your seats. Just kind of stay in this area, okay? There you go. Make sure we can get everyone in here. There you go. Maybe some of you guys could take and kind of go back over this area more so we could let some of the guys up in here, kind of push back a little more, let everyone through. There you go. Some of you guys shoved past. There's two. Get it. Is there anyone here tonight that maybe hasn't or is going to grab these elements that says that I really don't know if I have a relationship with Christ, though? I might have taken these things right now. I might have done this. But really, when I walk up here and I grab this, or even as I just took this, this is more about ceremony than this is about my heart right now. I really don't know if I have a strong relationship with Christ or not. I don't know yet. That's you. Is anyone in this group? Just say that. And they say, raise their hand. We could pray that you really accept Jesus Christ in your heart tonight because there's going to be a difference. Nothing to be ashamed of if it is. All right. 
like I said before, it's all about the heart. And tonight, as we do this, it's, it's going to be all about our heart. Like I said, there's nothing special about these things. This is all just symbolic of what Jesus Christ did. So we're going to partake together just like we do in, in a normal communion service. Um, but not because that's how we do it, but because this is what Jesus did. They did it as a, as a family. So a Ritz cheese cracker and a cup full of Coke. But it's what's about in the inside. When you take this, what does your heart say about it? What does this body mean? What does this blood mean to you? So let's take and let's eat together. Let's drink. Mm. Flat soda. When they finished taking communion together, when they finished eating and drinking together, it was representation of God's covenant with us. It says, after all this, and the whole deal with, with, with Judas, that all goes through, it says they sang a hymn together. So we're going to finish out with prayer, with, with, with worship. I want to lead you guys in a quick prayer, and then what we're going to do is move right into, into worship. Everything that that symbolized, obviously worship is a time where we just give to give God glory. If this meant something to you, and you actually just thought about your relationship with God, maybe you even just laid some things out in the altar and said, God, this needs to change. Here's the time for it. As we worship God, just to come wholeheartedly to him. And you guys can go wherever you want. Um, You guys can spread out wherever you want, or we can stay up here, either way. But just get to a place where you're comfortable, and we're going to finish with worship. But let's just finish... um, Let's finish this communion time with prayer. God, I thank you for tonight. And Lord, even as we, as we partake in communion tonight, God, that it's not about ceremony. It's not about how the cup looks. It's not about how the bread looks. But it's about our heart and the reality, the fact of our relationship with you, Jesus Christ. That true relationship with you and that brokenness saying that we really love you that we are so thankful for your death on the cross, which has is, which is covered us and paid for us. So we just thank you tonight, Lord God, and we enter in this time of worship just to give you glory. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.